All right, what is love? The study of the Ten Commandments. Our quiz question is, what do the Ten Commandments have to do with love? And the answer is? That is right, because Jesus said that they that the, the law and the prophets are summed up by love for God and love for our neighbor. What's the other thing we need to remember? These are not the ten accusations. These are not the ten condemnations. These are not the ten indictments. When we read these ten commandments, this is what we should hear. Because you are loved by God, this is how you love. So this morning, we've landed at this. What is love? Love does no harm. Would you say that out loud with me? Love does no harm. Our Exodus passage is Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, and then a parallel passage in the New Testament from Romans 13. Exodus 20, 13 says this, you shall not murder. Romans 13, 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Lord, thanks, thanks, thanks for the, the power and life in your word. Spirit of the Lord, come and grant us now the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of God. Fill us with the knowledge of your will so that we may walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Open our hearts today. Help us to hear and respond to your word. Amen. Amen. So the command is pretty straightforward. In the Hebrew, it's only two words. Uh, it would sound something like this. No murder. <laughs> it's almost like he, the Lord wanted it to be really clear. Uh, no murder. This command, straightforwardly what it does, is it prohibits the taking of the human life in an act of hostility or aggression or even as an act of recklessness. This command does two things. It, or, well, it, one thing, but two things. It prohibits murder and protects life. Now, for those who are curious, I don't know how many there are, but just in case, for those who are curious, this is not the same word or idea that would be expressed as an act of warfare or even capital punishment. Those are different words. This is specifically murder. And this, this command does not necessarily prescribe pacifism. And it has nothing to do with cows or plants. I was, thank you, Michael James. I was looking for somebody to shout me down, somebody to have a little agreement. I don't want to say, can I get an amen, because that sounds annoying, but it has nothing to do with cows or plants. It has everything to do with the glory of God. Why? Because this is not the first time. Again, the Ten Commandments, they, are, they aren't brand new they are just codified expectations of how to love. But the first time we hear such a statement, such a, such a command with an explanation is earlier. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, after the, after the, Noahic, uh, the, the, the Noahic covenants, it's after the flood. And here's what the Lord says to Noah. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans their blood shall be shed. And here's why. For in the image of God... God has made mankind. Why does God say no murder? Because 
of the glory of God. A high and reverent view of God leads to a noble and dignified view of humanity. A high and reverent view of God will always lead to a noble and dignified view of humanity. This is why when it comes to our understanding, our practice of people, how we understand them, we do not take politics and place it over the Bible to interpret the Bible. We don't, not, not, our, not, our, not our preferences, not our prejudices. We take the Bible and we place it over all of these things. And, and we, our view of, of humanity, of the value of humanity, must come from our view of the glory of God. And then this command, no murder, it's the first in what is really the, the strictest moral code. Up until now, these have been religious, they've been honorable, but now there's this, 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 this the, the end moral code here, and it's the first. You've got to get this. It's the first strict moral code imperative in the Ten Commandments. No murder. And it falls, so as the first moral code, it follows directly the commands about the glory of God. So it's a command that is rooted in the glory of God, and then all of the other moral commands that follow it are rooted in it. So the commands to, uh, against uh, theft, the commands against dishonesty, against sexual immorality, are all based on the sanctity of life, which, are, which is based on the glory of God. So the sanctity of human life, the value and the worth of a person is not based on their ability. It is not based on their disability, their power, their performance, their ethnicity, the lack or presence, their paleness or lack or paleness, but it's always based on the glory of God. God has assigned, God has determined the worth of humanity by stamping us with his own image. Now, the implications of this are vast more vast than we can or should take time to explore in detail today, but we, it, we must acknowledge that fundamental concern for human life is the foundational fabric for a just and good society. All of society, this foundational concern, this foundational esteem for human life must inform our bioethics. Years ago, there was an ethicist from Princeton uh, who, uh, I think Singer was his name. I, th I remember that because of the sewing machine. I don't know why, but word association. Uh, uh, that uh, made an argument that a healthy puppy is more valuable than a sick baby. Well, when you, when you do not begin with the glory of God, then everything is upside down. It's fractured and there, your reasoning becomes perverse. But when you begin with the glory of God, then you recognize that, that humanity is unique and distinct and valuable. 
So our, this, our, this idea of the sanctity of human life has to inform all of our bioethics. It has to inform the practice of medicine. It has to inform economics. It has to inform and govern justice. All of these things can only be just when man is understood as bearing the image of God. Even in Hebrew society, consider this. Check this, just, just this example, two examples. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 8. There are, remember how we said that you have the, we had the Ten Commandments and then the, what followed were expressions, applications, explanations, how these things worked out or played out, right? But it was only the, only, only the bricks went in the box. Only the stones, only the Ten Commandments went into the, into the Ark of the Covenant. This is the found, these are the foundations for the society. Well, look at how this particular, no murder, listen to how this is applied in building a house. Thank you for furring your brow. Thank you, like, thank you for the courtesy. Well, what, how could that be? Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Okay? Uh, how could that be? Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 8. When you build a new house, make a parapet around the roof. Uh, a railing. High enough. Some sort of railing around the roof so that you may not bring guilt of bloodshed on your house if someone falls from the roof. So the sanctity of human life, the, the value of man, man being made in the image of God, the glory of God is, is we, we understand, it's like, there's the, it's like the, the, raw, the raw fuel and here it is refined in practice. Even how, if, if it's true, friends, that, we, that they had to build their house in consideration of the image of God, then, then how much more so should we, must we build a society, a culture around it? Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12 make the argument further. Not, it's not just about, uh, it's not just about uh, uh, preventing or prohibiting murder, but about promoting, protecting life. Proverbs 24 says, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward slaughter. If you say, but, but we knew nothing about this. Does he who weighs the heart not perceive it? In other words, the Lord is not going to be tricked by our claim of ignorance. Does he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? There is an expectation upon, we are our brother's keeper. The command, first command, rescue. Somebody say rescue. Rescue the perishing. Those Rescue those whose lives are being taken from them unjustly. Rescue, rescue, rescue the unborn. Rescue the unborn. Rescue the sex traded. Rescue the enslaved. Rescue the oppressed. Rescue the unjustly condemned. And rescue the unsaved. Rescue those who are not yet home. Who would have thought right here in the Ten Commandments is the Great Commission? Says, don't murder. 
rescue the perishing. Share God's measureless concern for humanity. Wow. Hold back those who are staggering towards slaughter. Those who are making their way to their own demise and they are unable to help themselves or they don't even realize what they're doing. Get in the way. Hold back the addicted and the deceived and the depressed and the demonized. Hold them back. It is a right and loving thing to try to persuade people to abandon and forsake that which is destroying their lives. We are not judging you. We are trying to save you. This command, don't murder. It doesn't just prohibit murder, but it protects life. But as time went on, as we can... If you've read your Bibles, we see that like the other commands, this command was not only violated, but it was compartmentalized in ways that, that abandoned it. For, it forsook its real power. But then our Lord Jesus comes on the scene and re-explains, helps us to understand the meaning and the power of this command. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 21, Jesus said, You have heard it said, to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And, pardon me, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which is a, a euphemism, it was an insult, a demeaning insult, will be answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, which is a stronger insult, will be in danger of the fire of hell. 1 John 3.15, the apostle writes, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. Our Lord Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord, especially as we understand the New Testament, helps us understand that homicide begins in the heart. And murder happens in your mouth. Things like carping criticism, biting deprecation, harsh sarcasm, degrading humor, all of these can destroy something in a person especially those close to us, spouses, sons, daughters. Hostility in your heart and harmful words in your mouth are akin to attempted murder. And we are warned, we are warned with great gravity about them. But it's not just... It's not just, please don't, I hope, hope that no one hears this, it's not just that our words hurt people's feelings, which is wrong. It is that what we feel toward others and say about others must reflect their glory as image bearers. And when they do not, we begin a, an horrific downward slope. 
When our feelings and language become derogatory or slurs or labels that slur, we begin to remake others in a different image. A lesser image. And when we do that, it justifies, according to us, it justifies treating them accordingly. We feel and speak about people in a way that lessens them, that depreciates them, and then that justifies or trains us to treat them accordingly. And this is when people begin to abuse others, take advantage of them, ignore them, oppress them, hurt them, neglect them, and even enslave them. So the Lord says we cannot allow our hearts or our mouths to meditate or express things about people that will, that will harm them or cultivate in us uh, a label that will uh, recreate them in a lesser image than God has. It will, it will lead to devastation. Now, a lot of this happens because of our differences. Our differences, our ethnic differences. How, can we just be honest? Are there some ethnic differences that people have? There are ethnic differences. There are cultural differences. There are dialect differences. Those differences are real. Everybody just say they're real. They are real. And we can talk about them and we should talk about them. We can appreciate those differences. And frankly, oftentimes we chuckle about those differences. We do. They're hilarious. Sometimes the differences are just, are, we just observe them and we are amused. I have, a, I have a, 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 one of my students named Khalil. Uh, he's a young man of African-American descent, and he has, uh, he was fost- he's fostering quite a wonderful relationship with a, with a, with a gal who's, who's, who's Caucasian, and uh, it's fun and wonderful. And he, when the fall time hit, he called me, and he said, uh, he said uh, Dad, I have a question for you. Yeah, he said, why do white people like pumpkins so much? He said, I've never, I said, he said, pumpkin spice, pumpkin pie, pumpkin seeds. He said, why do white people like pumpkins so much? I said, I don't know, bro. He said, I think I'm becoming a white girl. <laughs> Our differences are real, and they're, and they're fun, and they're beautiful, and we can talk about them, and we can laugh about them and appreciate them, but we should never dishonor our differences. Nor should we deify them. We just love one another. What is love? Love does no harm. Romans chapter 13, verses 9 through 10. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. 
Lord, let hostility be driven from our hearts. May contempt be kept far from our mouths. And may violence flee from our hands. Lord, let your love prevail in our hearts and in our mouths so that it will be, only be expressed in our hands. How does this command reveal our need for a Savior? Because humanity has blood on its hands. The first thing man did was to kill his brother and then deny he had any obligation to care for or keep him. And if we just understand the words of Jesus, if homicide happens in the heart, and if my mouth can murder, and if the sentence for that is judgment, then we are in desperate need of a Savior. The only remedy, the only remedy is to be born again. It's for the Holy Spirit to come and make us new, and to fill us with the love of God. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just. He can be counted on to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us, to purify us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't just cancel sin's penalty. He removes its power. We need a Savior. Peter told the crowd in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, he said, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing renewal will come from the presence of the Lord. We need a Savior not only to cleanse us from our sin, but to fill us, to renew us from within. Loving God and loving people begins when our hearts are made new by the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, Here's the promise to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and love does no harm. This is love.
head together as we close this morning. I imagine if we were really just honest and let and ask the Holy Spirit to genuinely search our hearts, wouldn't it be great if we could say, Holy Spirit, would you just cleanse and rid me of hostility in my heart? Would you cleanse me? Lord, I repent from hostility, from harshness in my heart. Lord, I regret, I repent of harshness in my heart and hardness in my mouth. Lord, would you cleanse me and forgive me? And Lord, today, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Let the love of God prevail in my heart. Let my, my heart and my mouth treat people like image bearers according to the glory of God. Lord, help us. Sing that one more time. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. And renew, and renew my spirit within me. Create, create in me a Somebody. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.